Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Folks, we have such an awesome guest on the show for you today. Nita Lerd is a serial entrepreneur, top-tier business consultant, self-identity reinvention coach, and former Fortune 500 executive with more than two decades of experience in business, psychology, and personal development. Nita is the founder of Nita Lerd Consulting and Coaching, where she advises world-class experts to become legendary market outliers. She works with highly exceptional coaches, consultants, and experts who want to build a truly innovative business that stands out from the rest with a -a one-of-a-kind solution and market position. Nita is the author of The One to Millions Entrepreneur and host of the Nita Lerd podcast show. She also has a master's and bachelor's degree in both business and marketing. She is a regular contributor to Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Brains Magazines, and has been featured on Business Insider, Fox, ABC, CNBC, and USA Today, just to name a few. Nita, thank you so much for being on the show. Marin, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, that is quite a resume. You are a very impressive woman, I gotta tell you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the awesome introduction. Oh my gosh, it's easy to introduce someone like you. So one thing that I want to talk about first, Nita, and this is how we like to start off most of our episodes is what was little Nita like? Oh, um, I don't think that she was much different from, you know, who I am today. But as as a child, I was really quiet. Um, You know, someone that you would just see and like, okay, this is an introvert. I was really quiet, kind of like a shy kid. And I grew up in the state, so I was like literally like the only Asian girl or only like Asian student in my classroom. So I had really grew up with like people around me being different, like or me being different from everybody else. And I was, yeah, really an introvert. I had like one best friend. I love having like I don't like to hang out in big groups, but, you know, and I would daydream a lot as I I remember, I still remember now, I would think about things that I think other kids weren't thinking about, you know, my mom would buy me Barbie, Barbie dolls, and I wouldn't play with the Barbie dolls, I wouldn't play with things that other people were playing with. And I think I would daydream and think about people and, you know, why people did particular things and why this and why that I was just somebody that was naturally curious about the world and I can't remember the specific questions that I was thinking about but I I I really remember that was like a kid that was sitting there and thinking about things and contemplating so that that was little Nita (laughs) One of my dear friends, Ripley Raider, who's an amazing fashion designer, she's been on the show as well. She said this line that stuck with me. She said, I believe that we come out fully cooked. And so I just find that to be such an interesting concept and very true for myself because I found that my work in therapy has definitely been the return to my inner child and the return to 
you know, the most youthful, energetic, youthful version of myself. So I imagine that that's something that one resonates with you, but probably gets pulled into a lot of your work with your clients as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about that little Nita do you find still is true for you in your adult life? Well, I, like I said, I, even though the world perceives me as different, like nowadays, because I found my passion and my circle of people and I live in a bubble, quite like a bubble, you know, I talk to people that I love to hang out with, you know, like-minded people and I can, I can, people will look like, see me and think like, oh, she's an extrovert, but I know myself and I know that my internal world is still the same. I'm, I'm still I was born this kind of personality type. I'm, I'm it's just me, but I've grown to be more flexible and I've learned, you know, grown and acquired different traits that I didn't have as a child, you know, as your personality doesn't fully grow until your, I think your teenage years. So I've definitely see how I'm different from when I was young, but also very similar like the contemplating part, the uh, I love to analyze things and understand the world and understand what's going on in the brain. So I'm almost like an engineer, but the brain engineer, you know, like I, I don't care how machines work, but I care how the brain works and why this person is doing this. And I always have to explain if I'm with a friend, if I'm with like anyone, I'll have this obsession to kind of explain everybody's behavior. Oh, this person did this because of that. You know, if I hear a friend frustrated about another friend, I'll just try to explain to her, well, this person is doing this because of this, you know, like this happened to her or this is why she's doing this and that. And so, um, yeah, it's really helpful for my work and also for my well-being as well. I feel like I, because of that, I'm kind of able to understand everybody and empathize with everybody. Um, to a point where it's not always good, right? When you're always empathizing, <laughs> and well, it can it can cause you trouble as well. But yeah, definitely learned that from real life experiences that you you can empathize with other people, but you also have to have boundaries, and you know you can't help everybody. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned earlier that you now live in a little ecosystem of folks that you enjoy talking to. You've curated your life as such. But when you and I first met, you mentioned um, a lot about your corporate, your former corporate life and how even though you've tried multiple versions of the corporate world, it never seemed to fit you. Can you talk about then versus now? Yeah. So after I finished my master's degree, um, from Australia, came back here and I worked for L'Oreal, I worked for Unilever. So these are all like, people would say like, oh, you got the dream job. You know, I worked as a product manager and brand manager for cosmetic brands. And at that time it, it felt like a dream job, like, oh my God, I got my dream job. But what I found out is like, after three months, I would get bored with every, every job that I had. <laughs> And I didn't know why at that time, but in hindsight, I understood that it's because I have this need to create things. I do not like, I do not do well in an environment where everything is routine. And that has to do with a personality type as well. So if anybody's heard about the Myers-Briggs or the you know MBTI, I am the INTP. So 
we have, as INTPs, we have a need to create things, to innovate, to ideate, to solve complex problems. And so I didn't get to fulfill my needs in the corporate world. And at that time, I didn't know why. So I, I know this is such useful information. And I, I helped my son identify his type as well. He's also an INTP. So I, I feel like knowing that at the age of 15 is so much better than knowing that later in your life, right? Because you're able to use that knowledge strategically and choosing even career paths and what you do on a daily basis, you know, how you recharge your energy and all sorts of things. Yeah. So I really was frustrated when I was in corporate world because the work that I was doing, even though it was fun, it wasn't entirely fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I later learned through not just the personality type thing, but also through my passion and my interest in different other assessments and tools that I will thrive if I'm in an environment where I get to design and create my own thing and solve complex problems. So definitely what I'm doing now is like perfect. I would say perfect for, for my personality type and my interest and loving to help people, which the funny thing is I've always done this without knowing it. So even like, for example, I remember this, this like flashbacks to my, like when I was in my teenage years, I would have friends that would call me and tell me about their problems and whatever they were struggling with. And I don't remember what I told them, but I, I seem to have like this wisdom or this kind of objective point of view or question or something that I would do almost like a counselor. <laughs> and my friends would kind of like call me and ask me for advice on random things in their life. And so looking back, oh, so I was meant to be doing that, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's funny how, you know, and, and when I'm helping my clients find out what their passion is, we all often always look back to the past. Like, what did you enjoy doing as a child? What were things that you did? You didn't even think about, like you would do, even if you didn't get money from it, you would still do it. Right. Right. And even today when I'm talking to my friends, I'm still their counselors. <laughs> so it's something that I love doing, whether I get paid for it or not. And yeah, I, I I definitely feel that the life that I have now is I didn't arrive here overnight, but you know, if you keep going in the direction that you feel fulfilled and alive, you will get closer. I, I can't guarantee that everybody will find that, right? But you will get closer to something that you enjoy and love to do. Yeah. You mentioned a word a few minutes back that really hit home for me. It's the B word, boundaries. Yeah. So is creating and maintaining boundaries something that was has always been a part of your life or is it a skill that you've had to hone in on over time? Well, I would say like when people look at me, they perceive me as someone that like is kind of strong and tough-minded. And people would not think that um, I would have to work to work on boundaries, having boundaries. Um, but I think I have that part of me where I am kind of like naive. As a child, I grew up in this like kind of unicorn land, like everything's pink, like everybody's good, like people don't lie to each other. And I had to learn through running my first business, um, which I started like 15 years ago. 
that, oh, okay, people aren't always who they try to show you they are, you know, and, you know, people sometimes will lie and sometimes people will cheat and things, these things. So I learned that not in the corporate world, but when I started my own business and I think through life experience, you know, that logically, right. That, okay, there are kind of people in the world that will lie. Not everybody's good. You know that logically, but on a deep level, that's not your life experience. So you don't really believe it until you kind of have that experience. And so through running my business, that's how I learned um, to set boundaries, you know, with employees, with people, with friends, with everybody, even in romantic relationships, for example. And I used to be this person that, well, I still am, I guess, you know, super kind, giving, understanding, highly empathetical person. And like I mentioned, when you are, you have empathy, that's good, but you also have, it has to come with another ingredient, which is boundaries and not over giving. And I'm not like the people pleaser type where I try to give to get to, so people will love me or like me. I just like to give. I just like to help people, you know, and I value generosity. I value kindness. And of course, when we value something, we want to keep doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And, but then there's this line where you really have to draw a line and yeah, you can't help everyone and everybody's responsible for the results in their own life. And learning about all these things in, in psychology and the coaching world really helped me personally as well. So I grew with my career. I did the self-development work because I was in this field of work. So it, you know, I know like lots of people get into coaching because like, well, I didn't even think I was going to be a coach in the first place. I just went through, I had a coach, I had a therapist, or then I really fell in love with this and I wanted other people to experience it as well. For me, it was kind of like the opposite. I found out about coaching. Um, I found out about that I love psychology through running my first business, which was the Child Development Center. And then I got, like, I went all in. And then through that process, I did the, the self-work as well, the inner work as well. So how long ago do you, do you mark the start of your inner work? I would think that it went, I've always been reading psych, psychology books, you know, um, I would say like in my 20s. So that was like 20, 20 years ago, I started reading like serious reading, seriously reading psychology books and books that were, you know, talk about, about life skills, about personal development, all these things. Um, I, I think the work was done gradually, you know, without really knowing it. So I, I can't really say when it started, but practicing coaching skills and the start of my career, I feel definitely started very young without me knowing it. You know, when I was helping my friends, when I was giving advice, like, like I started it, but I just didn't know it. Yeah. But Definitely, it's a lifelong journey. It never ends. You always have to grow. You always have to do the inner work. It's a never-ending thing. 
and it should never end, right? Like I know a lot of people go to seminars and workshops and like, I want to arrive at the finish line. Like, okay, I've done the inner work. I'm perfect. Like I don't have any more space to grow. Like, no, that's not it. Like people want to have kind of like a conclusion, you know, that I've arrived at the finish line. I've done it. There's no more work to do, but that's like the opposite mindset actually if you want to do inner work it's it's a process it's a journey it, it never ends you keep growing into the next version you know from 2.0 3.0 4.0 5.0 why would you want to stop growing right yeah so interesting that you say that I've been on my like really really deep healing inner child work for I want to say the better part of six years five six years but I also feel like I've been saying five years for a few years so maybe it's closer to 10 I'm not exactly sure but you know, I, I feel like my emotional and spiritual toolkit is really strong. But even just the other day, I was with one of my best friends and some inner child stuff came up and I thought, huh, I thought we addressed this already. Guess not. Let's go back. It's the journey your, to your point. The journey never ends when you choose the path of inner work. The path is forever. Like there is no finish line. Finish line is ultimately when we're not in this physical form anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like something that's really important to remember is that w the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is not to like heal from all this stuff and not have it impact our everyday life. Right. It's, it's about looking at it and accepting it. And yeah, this is part of me and you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all part of me and it's fine. But I think like social media and the pressure that is in today's world really pressures us to think that we have to be perfect. We can't be weak. We have to be strong. We have to be competent. We have to be perfect at whatever we're doing. And our life on social media has to be perfect. And we have to have perfect everything, right? <laughs> it's such, it's just not based on the, the reality. And I feel that that factor alone, like the social media and the pressure from society is, is definitely contributing to people's mental well-being and the, the happiness that we have in our lives. There was something, it's interesting because I'm in fashion. So the social media that I promote for both my personal brand and for my physical jewelry brand, it is very aesthetic. It is very beautiful. That is the industry that I'm in. But something, and I don't know why it took me this long for it to click, but something the other day made me realize, wait a minute, social media is the highlight reel, just like a resume would be, you know, when you go into a job, it's, that is the, these are the best parts of you for the job yeah. that's serving, but it's not the whole picture. So when I realized that, when that really clicked, I went, oh, okay, I can actually have fun with social media now. It doesn't always have to be, you know, so much pressure to make sure everything's perfect. It can just exist and be, and I can experiment and it can be fun. And obviously still professional because I'm using it through a professional lens, but I don't know, you know, 10 years later, however long I've been using social media, it finally sunk in that it doesn't need to be so perfect to the point of the fact that it rips the joy away from the process. Yeah. Social media is, it's a wild, it's a wild universe. It is, it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. How would someone who's listening to this podcast 
who goes, wow, I really like what Nita is saying. I'm interested in potentially being a coach myself. What would the steps be for someone to take a coach, to become a coach? Because I know that you come with, you know, a ton of training and a lot of degrees. So where would someone start? Well, I would say, let me think about the answer for this question. So we have coaches in the world that are certified. So I myself, I'm certified. I even ran a coach certification program accredited under the ICF, which is International Coach Federation. Now the ICF is one of the certifying bodies in the world. There are others as well. Um, now I'm not saying that just because you're certified as a coach, that you're better than a coach that is not certified. Because we do have coaches that are just brilliant at what they do, but they don't have those letters in their names. They, they've never got a formal um, certification, right? So I would say having proper coaching education with someone that is that really knows what they're doing, that's important. Because in today's world, we do have lots of people that are teaching coaching, but aren't really coaches. They're just good at teaching, but they've never, you know, if somebody's going to teach someone to play golf or tennis, but they don't know how to play golf and tennis themselves, but they're teaching the theory of how you would play golf and tennis, but they don't have that firsthand experience. You know what I mean? So that's, that happens a lot, actually, in the coaching world, where somebody's teaching coaching, but they don't actually, they know the theory of how to coach, but they don't really have the experience of how to coach. And so I would advise to really learn from a coaching school or teacher or coach that's really a coach that really knows how to coach, like a, a school that's really... And th this is tricky because sometimes just because they have the reputation that they're a big school is doesn't always mean that it's a good school. So this is where you really have to dig, find, find information, talk with people and yeah, kind of find out for yourself. And so I, I think learning the skill is most important. When people ask me, hey, Nita, should I get certified? I really, even though I'm certified at the master, I'm I'm an MCC. So that's like master certified coach. It's like the highest level of, of being, the, the highest level of credential that you could get with ICF. But for me, I feel that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the skill, is the competence, right? And ethics is super important. Integrity is super important. So when you're like I advise people when you're hiring a coach, you want to talk to that person. Does that person seem like they're egoistical? Do they, you know, do they seem like they're, do they really care about their clients or are they trying to, you know, it, really this is about personal character, integrity, ethics. That's, that's super important if you're hiring a coach. And if you want to be a coach, that's even more important, right? Um, yeah. So get properly trained. And I know there's different definitions of what coaching is in the world. So sometimes they, when people say they're a coach, they're actually teaching, but really coaching is not teaching or telling anybody how to live their life at all. Coaching is, is about deep listening and reading between the lines and really listening to what your client or what we call coachy is saying and being able to see the insight, hear the insights of what they're sharing with you to find like the core issue 
and being able to ask tough questions that they've never thought about. And this process leads to them finding the solution for and realizing and having the self-awareness, like having the awareness of what their real issue is. And I would say like 99% of the time, what they bring to the session is not the real problem. And that's my job to listen and find like, what's the real issue here? And then help, like, I don't give them a solution. I've, I use the coaching process to help them find the solution. So it's like, we're in the maze together and we're partnering and dancing and I'll help them, my client find a way out of this maze. Right. So goal is really to help my client become who they really want to become through like, I call it self reinvention. Um, because really what drives all our behavior and choices in, in life is self-perception or in psychology, we call it self-concept. It's like when nobody's in the room, when there's no social media, there's nobody looking, what do you think about yourself? Right. Yeah. And my goal is to help them arrive at the point where they are proud. They get to be who they really, really want to become. And sometimes you can't really envision that. You don't see that when you're somewhere else, right? And to make choices, to do the behaviors, to to show up every day, moving towards that goal of becoming who you really want to become. And that everything else follows, like the business results, the career, the health, the relationship, everything else follows. If you work on becoming that version of yourself that you really, really want to become. Yeah. You specialize as a self-reinvention coach. Would you say that your clientele mostly is looking to make a big transition in their life? Talk to us a little bit about who your target demographic is and who you really are able to serve with your particular service. Because to your point, there's so many different types of coaches and so many different specialties within the coaching realm. So I'd love to learn specifically about your self-reinvention process. Yeah. So I on a global kind of like when I work with international clients, I kind of many hats, right? Because my background is in business as well. And really I consider myself as someone that's multi-potentialite. So I have different passions. It's like not even a want, but I feel like it's a need for people that have that are multi-passion or multi-potentialite. It's like you have this art side and you have this logic side as like you have all these different things that you want to do and you can do well as well. Now, how do we balance all these things? And so for me, I have the need on the business side. I love entrepreneurship. I love helping what I call outliers. So these are the entrepreneurs that really value exceptionality and they want to stand out from the industry that they're in, not just for the sake of like, I want to be number one, everybody, I want to be in the spotlight. Not, not at all. It's about the people that are in the industry and they want to raise the standards in that industry by serving their clients at the highest level. Mm -hmm. So I help these uh, entrepreneurs, which I call outliers do that by becoming that next version of themselves, whatever that requires so that they can build the business that is aligned with that. And I help them on both the psychological self reinvention side. So that's 
like, you know, when we say every external problem is actually an internal problem. So that's the, that's where I help them with the psychology of everything. And then I help them with the business strategy as well through this whole, I would say complex <laughs> problem, a uh, co complex process of helping them identify what problem they want to solve for their client that mm -hmm. will create a very unique offer. So I work with experts and service-based entrepreneurs and we we go through this process to help them find a way to solve their client's problem. It could be a problem that nobody's even aware of, but it has to be an important problem that will change the game. And they get to use their geniuses. So my clients get to use their geniuses to deliver this offer or the service. Mm -hmm. So it's an it's like this, we're finding the point where we combine the genius with the problem in the market. Yeah. So that's on the, that's on the, when I coach business entrepreneur, business owners and entrepreneurs. And then the other thing that I do is I coach people so that they become irreplaceable. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And irreplaceable is like in life, in love and in business and career. So it's like in every area of your life, I love taking concepts from like the dating relationship love like world mm -hmm. and kind of like making a metaphor or comparing it to something in the business world and I feel like it's so many things are similar you know and so what does it require to help someone like get someone to be irreplaceable and you're not competing with anybody. When I say this, like people sometimes take it the wrong way. But what I really mean is how do you become someone like you love, you, you're falling in love with, and not from an egoistic point of view, but you know, you really are proud. You you really get to be yourself in the version that, you know, you don't think anybody, um, you, it's really about like, if you're an entrepreneur and you're irreplaceable, that means you're doing, you're providing a really good service, a really good product that, you know, nobody else out there can do the same thing. Not because everybody else is inferior, no, but it's because you've created a solution that is serving the market that nobody else has thought about this solution before. And you've got, you've done a lot of work to be able to provide that service at that level. So it really has to do with this pursuit of excellence. It's the kind of people that, you know, go to the Olympic and like, I'm going to get the gold medal, but it's not about competing with other people. It's about you becoming, bringing out your highest potential, almost like self-actualizing. And through that, you get to make the, the highest impact in the world. You get to raise the standards in the industry that you're in through what you're doing. And yeah, so those are kind of like the ways that I coach my clients. And all of it has to do with this self-reinvention process. It's used in every single thing. Um, I always think about it a lot. Like, you know, who am I going to be? Who do I want to be in five years? And, you know, what's the gap What's the gap between me version 5.0 and 6.0 that gives me clarity on what I need to be working on. Yeah. For example, when I, cause I'm an introvert, right? I never, I didn't have lots and lots and lots of friends. I think like after the age of 30, 35, you start to really realize that, Hey, 
I don't want to be alone in this world. You know, I want to have great friends. I'm, I'm just like, if I'm just being passive about this, great friends are not just going to appear in my circle, right? I need to have a strategy. So I came up with this whole strategy of how I'm going to find these amazing friends. And you really have to implement it. You come up with strategy, you re really have to be active in doing it. You, you don't just sit at home and manifest and hope that you know these friends are going to come into your existence right so you really have to I love the word intentional whatever you want in your life you have to be intentional about it you have to have clarity first and then be intentional like do you really want it if you don't want it it's fine just don't say that you want it because I think like a lot of people were living in this world where I want this I want this I want this but I can't do this I can't have this and then you complain about it every day right so if you really want something, say you really want it. You set your intention and you you do whatever it takes to get it if it's important enough for you. And if you don't, then it's not. It's not important enough. That's all it is. It's a good to have, but you know, are you willing to work for it? If not, then just like, you know, work on the things that do matter for you. Yeah. What are some intentions that you're setting for yourself? Well, definitely the past few years, it has been about friendship and being surrounded by the people that I I want to be surrounded with. And sometimes it does require, you know, leaving people from the past, you know, old friends that you don't resonate with anymore. You don't feel like we're on the same page. And it doesn't mean like, it's, it's not coming from a place of of judgment or anything it's just like we're on different paths now right and so it wouldn't serve you and it wouldn't serve them to for you to be together anymore for example so um change is not always easy but like it goes back to that word like clarity and intention if you made a choice that this is what you want in your life and you really have to be intentional about it so i think this is definitely something that i i did not think about like 20 years ago or even 15 years ago right when i'm thinking about like okay this person in front of me that i'm talking to or even on a phone call do i really want to be in a relationship with them like do i want to be friends with this person and what level of friendship do i want to have with this person right i i i even have like this internal map like okay we have like friend level 1 level 2 level 3 it's almost like level 1 is like my closest like i would you know like people in my family for example and then there's like people that are okay like this is a nice good person but you know we have different interests or different you know we wouldn't be doing the similar things in life, for example, than they might be on like, not my closest, closest friend, you know, but they would be people that we share similar values, for example. So I'm, I think I'm really conscious about like, okay, why am I in a relationship with this person? And it's almost like, okay, what are their values? What are my values? Are we sharing the same values? And I would even know if I'm going to stop being friends with someone, it's because they, we, we don't share similar values, for example. Like I, I love people that have kindness and if someone's not kind, you know, to themselves or to other people, then I would like, that would be like a deal breaker for me, you know, like a red flag, a deal breaker, um, even in friendship. And so I think this is something that I'm really intentional about. And the other thing would be how I spend time in my business. And I used to be someone that oh, I'm going to do all these things, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to do all these things. And I think um, as we get older, you know, you know that, okay, your physical body is not going to, you can't do everything. And so that's where I set boundaries with myself, I guess, to say no to myself and like, okay, I'm not going to do everything. And actually at the beginning of this year, I just quit my PhD program. I spent three years doing the coursework and I think I got everything out of it, but it actually took me courage to quit, to quit it. Cause I'm not a quitter. You know, that's part of the self-identity where self-perception where I'm like, okay, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Right. And then I really would got honest with myself. Like, okay, I, you know, everybody that gets into a PhD program develops this back problem. Not everybody, you know, like I'm exaggerating, but like you're sitting there in front of computer typing, then you have this full-time job, like your business and everything. And I had to weigh those two things. At this age, with a like, if I continue with a PhD, do the research, and I get a PhD, but you know the health problem that I had, the health that I have to sacrifice for the next three years, it's not worth. It. So when I sat with myself and I looked at these two things, well, what's more important today? I was able to make the decision. I was like, okay, yeah, my health, and I could use that time to be doing so many other things with my business and all that, and. So having a PhD being like three letters at the end of my name, that's not important for me. Maybe it could be if I was in my 20s, but not not today. And so I made a decision to. I really got what I wanted from from it. It was a social psychology degree. And yeah, that that really shows like the power of quitting right? and that a decision that you made a long time ago might not be the decision that's serving you today and really to to be in to be present with today and ask yourself like is this serving you is this the right decision for you today and it's okay to, if you make mistakes it's okay if you took the wrong path it's never too late but yeah I think if we let the sunk cost fallacy get in our head and like oh but I invested so much in this job career relationship I have to stick with it but you're, you're like you don't want to stick with it. You feel terrible with it, right? Um, that that's it's just not worth it. So yeah, I'm I'm being intentional about the the how I spend my energy, what I invest in, on on everything in life, big or small. And then the other thing is 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 the people that surround me. So that was a long answer. <laughs> a wonderful answer. I'm so happy that you took the long route. I could sit here and listen to you forever. How do you maintain being present and being grounded and being centered enough to make those make those decisions from a place of intention and discernment so that they're serving you, they're happening for you and not to you? Yeah, I contemplate a lot. I think like I introspect a lot. I think a lot. I'm a very analytical person. I'm like a thinker. So I'm always observing myself, you know, mm -hmm. and in coaching, there's this thing where we train coaches to observe themselves as well. You know, when you're in a coaching session, you're observing your client, but you also have to have like almost like a third person, like you're this third person, you're observing yourself as well. Like, hey, what's showing up for me as this client is saying this to me? What part of my ego is showing up as well? That kind of thing, you know, so this is the part of how we train coaches as well to observe themselves. So but I so I feel like I'm always doing that. I'm always observing like how I'm showing up to this podcast interview, for example, or like, what was I thinking when I said this and that? And so it's like a like a really 
practicing self-awareness, isn't it? And I journal a lot, so I like to write. I have tons of notebooks and I, I really like to write what I'm thinking about, my thoughts, my business ideas, and all sorts of things I write on, on my notebook. And I have found the most useful thing in doing this in a really strange way. It's because I have all these ideas. I want to do a hundred million things, right? But after the process of writing everything down several times, even some of the ideas, maybe 99 of the ideas out of a hundred ideas, like after you've seen it on paper for a while, you get bored with it and you're like, okay, I don't want to do these 99 things. So I used to like get into everything, like, you know, but I feel like when I, I write on a notebook and I, I sit with it for a while. I realized that, okay, not every idea that I came up with, I want to do, I really want to implement. Um, so I think like journaling for me is almost like brain dumping everything in my brain and my creative ideas and, you know, and it really provides me that space to, to, to sit with it and rethink what do I want to do with this? Right. And I think it's, it, it already fulfilled my need to come up with that idea and put it on paper. That's like fulfilling the need of ideation already. So my, my, I really have a need to ideate. And I feel like coming up with these hundreds of ideas is, is like energizing for me and putting on paper, but you don't have to implement everything. Maybe you don't want to even implement any of it. <laughs> and so I, I find that a really useful tool, like just writing paper, pen, and writing everything in your mind and your thought and you get to see it on paper that's really good for self-development as well as you get to see your thoughts you get to be honest with it you get to look at it well oh it's just a thought it's not me this thought is not me this feeling is not me it's just a thought it's just a feeling and yeah I think it's it's really helpful I want to go back a little ways to when you mentioned that sometimes quote unquote breakups with folks who aren't serving you in the next chapter and the future chapters of your life. Um, how would you go about quote unquote breaking up with someone or releasing someone with love? I do find that that's a very common tale, especially for folks who are seeking the self development journey or they're on it or they're on their inner work journey and they're really struggling to make the separation of their old life versus the old life that they know versus the new life that they're anxious to create or on the pathway to creating. How do you create that, that boundary and that release of a former relationship, especially if that person isn't ready to let go? Yeah. Well, there, it really depends on the situation and how the nature of that relationship is. So it can range from like a slow fade, for example. Slow fade is when you're like, you're you're just like, you're, you're you used to be hanging on this relationship and out of lifestyle or out of like, oh, just, just because it's convenient, this person works at the same place that I do or this person went to high school with me or we've been friends since three years old, for example. It's kind of like out of routine. It's like, well, we've just always had a phone call every week. It's just like, you're normal. It's your routine. And you don't know how to break out of it. You don't know how to get out of it without hurting the other person's feeling, uh, feelings. And so there, there are different methods, right? The first way is to kind of slow fade 
it's almost like you're you used to talk with them once a week it becomes once a month and then you know you're not entirely breaking up with them they're still like your friend from three years old from high school but you're just not spending time with each other that much anymore so it doesn't have to be something that's scary or bad it's just like you know you don't invest that much into this relationship anymore and then there are those types of relationships where the other person doesn't respect your boundaries even you know you don't want to spend time with them but they're still like calling you and trying to get help from you and like you have to support me and all those types of things then you really have to have an honest conversation with the, with them and that takes courage and of course you're going to show up in that conversation with respect and not in a judgmental way and respect that everybody's on their own journey. So this, this happens a lot actually with my clients and people that are in the personal development space um, where sometimes you're operating from the ego and like, okay, I'm on this self-development journey. So I'm, you know, this kind of like showing up as like superiority complex or like I'm better than everybody else and like I I'm you know I did the inner work and like you guys why don't you do the inner work and that kind of mentality it's not that <laughs> it's not that so if that's showing up for anybody then we really have to look at ourselves like why are we perceiving ourselves as superior or inferior that's both a problem because you should be perceiving everybody's equal like and we're all on our journey and it's it's fine if somebody doesn't want to go on this inner work journey with you, right? But most people won't want to. It's a very difficult, intense journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary and you have to face the truth and the dark side and the shadow and all these things. So I, I even wrote in my book that, yeah, it's not easy. So if anybody says that it's easy, that's a lie. You know, these seminars that people go to rah-rah and like, oh, you're going to change your life overnight. No, that's not true. <laughs> I it's so funny. I talk to one of my best friends about this often that those moments, those seminars, those workshops, those whatever they may be are important and they're, you know, they can lead to, you know, some clarity, but they're really just hits of dopamine. That is ultimately an outward facing activity to put a, a, a small band-aid on going inward and the inward is the is the real work and it's the painful work and it's the most effective and um you know most holistic work but the outward you know events in those seminars they're not bad it's just yeah. that's not necessarily doing the work that will really transform your life Exactly, exactly. That's, that's what I think as well. It's like lots of these seminars are useful, you know, they teach tools and techniques and things. Um, but eventually, you have to take these tools and implement them. And you need to do the work. It's, it's almost like if you're reading about playing tennis, you're not going to be able to play tennis, you actually get in the field, you need to feel the pain, you need to practice, you need to fail, 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 and fail again. And like, we're programmed to, I don't, to, to not want to feel pain, right? So we want to, especially in this today's world where 
I think people have this belief that you have to be happy all the time. Like if you're not happy, if you're not perfect, then something's wrong with you and we need to hide that imperfection. So that's definitely something that has been, I think, through social media as well, through like seeing the lives of celebrities and, and different, many, many different factors that really cause that. And I think I, I wish we could create a new trend of being real and authentic and um facing the truth and really awakening to to your own truth and I feel like we're on our way I do feel like folks are exhausted of the social media highlight reel and I think I mean not to champion certain um social media platforms but I really feel like that's why TikTok has taken off the way that it has because it really shows you know I mean there are elements of of you know performance and you know, highlight reels on TikTok and there is elements of, of entertainment on there, but it really does show, you know, the behind the scenes and people are much more transparent with what's actually going on and good days and bad days and everything in between. So I do feel like there is a calling for it and that there is definitely a want by the masses. And I feel like social media will catch up eventually, but, but yeah. I, I just think that everyone's just kind of sick of the of everything being so perfect. It, it's it's like we're over it. Yeah. I definitely, I like with talking to people, people are, do not like that, right? But there's also this pressure that, well, but everybody's still doing this. And so how do I, how do I not do that? There's mm -hmm. kind of like a dilemma almost. And I totally agree with you. I was not on TikTok until like was only three months ago, but my channel is in Thai. So if, if you, if you can speak Thai, then, you know, <laughs> um, but I definitely see the different nature of other platforms and TikTok. I feel like TikTok people are like commenting real comments, like they're sharing their real problems. And so I have so many questions to answer on TikTok, you know, yeah. because everybody's bringing the real stuff to the conversation. And I, that now I use at least for Thailand, I use TikTok as a, a hub to create my content and then share it to other platforms. So I love it. I, I feel like it's a platform that really understands people and integrating the social commerce element is so genius. I love it. I mean, I went to a renowned university for my undergraduate and I swear to you, I learned more on TikTok in an in one night than I did in the in those four years studying, yeah. you know, at university. I'm like, wow, it is just sure. If your algorithm is, you know, entertainment and dancing, you know, people, then that you might not learn a lot from that aside from a routine, which is helpful. I mean, as a former dancer, yes, that you know, those mobile uh, skills are very uh, helpful for certain things. But if you train your algorithm to feed you subjects that are educational and things that you really want to learn about my gosh there's so much information out there it's it's a wonderful platform I really like it a lot I don't I'm not as much of a creator on there yet um as we will be as I you know I'm more of a consumer than a creator on TikTok but I think it's spectacular yeah, I agree. I agree. And I've discovered like other creators, like experts in like psychology and personal development that I wasn't, I wasn't seeing them on other platforms. And I think it's because of the algorithm. Like it's really, it doesn't care whether you have five followers. If your content is something that's interesting to someone, it will, it will show your content to that person. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's key because at the end of the day, we want to consume 
useful content that is relevant to us. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that's where they really did a great job. Exactly. Well, you mentioned a little bit earlier about a book. Is there something that maybe you're writing or working on that we can get excited about? Yeah, well, in English on the international market, I only have one book at the moment. So this is One to Millions Entrepreneur. It is a business marketing book for experts, coaches, consultants that want to make you know the impact at the highest level. It doesn't mean you have to have a million customers. No, it doesn't. But it's about like one voice. One to millions really means like one voice making an impact on millions. And that's like, even if you're a coach and you're working with 10 clients, you know, those 10 clients are going to impact a ton of other people. So you are actually making an impact on millions of people without knowing it, right? Um, in the Thai market, I have two personal development books and I'm writing on the third and the fourth book at the moment. So it is a book about the concepts that I've been talking to you about, about being irreplaceable, about there's another book that talks about the five riches. So like how to like rich is not money. It's not just about money. It's, it's about, are you, do, are you, do you have a rich mindset? Are you of, have abundance in friendship, in relationship, in the life that you're living in your lifestyle? So in order to be really rich, you have to have the five riches. So it's, it's not just about money and, and that will bring a life of uh, fulfillment. And yeah, so that's, that's one book that I'm writing. And the other book is about um, finding your equal partner. So that's a relationship dating slash um, yeah, kind of a dating attraction book. And yeah, then I have like other books in the queue as well, like a parenting book, but all of it is about, you know, living the life that you want. It's, it really all ties to the same concept. So when I, I write my, my books, I always have like a series in my mind already. Like I'm going to have all these 10 books and how are they going to fit together? You know? So, but yeah, I, I think like one of the core concepts that I really like to talk about is definitely self-reinvention. And the other one is, is how to be irreplaceable. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a concept that can use everything. I can't wait to read them. I'm going to order one to millions the second that we get off of this call, because I'm heading up to do a bunch of travel um, with a lot of hours on the plane. So that's going to be my reading time. So I can't wait to learn from you and to celebrate your work and to read um, your beautiful, your beautiful writing. Um, and as expected, there's no way we could have fit everything that we wanted to talk about in this one hour. We did not even scratch the surface, but my gosh, thank you so much for being on the show. You are such a wonderful human and, and thank you for doing the work that you do because it's really important work and it's meaningful and it's life-changing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. You're yeah, so really welcome. Where can our listeners find you and how can we support you? Well, um, yeah, on social media. Um, don't don't follow me on TikTok because that's in Thai at the moment. I don't know. Maybe next month I'll do like, you know, some channels are mixing many languages on the channel. So I'm I'm looking at that as well. But I initially started for the Thai market because I'm promoting um I'm trying to pitch a show to Netflix. It's going to be a reality show demonstrating the power of coaching and personal development. That's that's kind of why I started the, the TikTok channel, but it turned out that it was life-changing. Um, but yeah, I'm everywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram, 
um, yeah, can send me an email, but um, if anybody's interested in, in the work that I do, then they can go to my website, which is needalert.com. I also have a free quiz that people can go and they'll get like a blueprint for their business. And this is, this is the only for, um, coaches, consultants, experts, practitioners, like it, it, you just sell your expertise. So, so it's, it's for service-based businesses and, um, experts, um, that really want to make an impact at the highest level want to, they really want to pursue excellence, value exceptionality, and um, want to charge a higher premium rate for the services that they provide. So that's the go, that's where you go to um, just complete the quiz on my website. Um, so those are the the main yeah places that can connect with me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You are wonderful and we will be in touch. Thank you, Marin. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You guys, that interview was just amazing. A huge thank you to Nita for coming on the show. Another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing the, bringing the people and the conversations that you love, just like Nita. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostelloRadio on Instagram. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week with another fabulous guest on Marin Costella Radio. Bye.